More people than ever are questioning the value of higher education. We're here to explore why they're right, why they're wrong, and which institutions are rising to the challenge. I'm here with our analytics consultant, Dr. Jacob Bonney, and our chief technology and data officer, Sebastian Arnault. Welcome to our podcast, Sebastian. So nice to have you. Thank you. Glad to be here. Sebastian, just for fun, can you share some of the most surprising insights that you found in our data? Well, this was an interesting question, Erin, because I would say that um, my biggest surprise when I first started to dive into the data and start to work at Stepping Blocks is, is to realize that a lot of stereotypes are unfor- unfortunately true often. As we think about people graduating from an engineering major, they will often go indeed into some engineering career. Uh, people graduating from a history major often don't end up working in history, but it's more of a uh, of a way for them to bounce to all kinds of different of careers in different fields. So I would say I don't have one example uh, that's like, you know, really crunchy to share with everyone here with the listeners. But I think in general, one thing that I found uh, that is kind of unique to the data that we have that's been, I think, surprising for me is that compared to the data available um, to everyone outside of, uh, of stepping blocks of, you know, governmental data and surveys and all the, the tools and, and data that people usually use basically to make decisions is that the data we actually have at stepping blocks is relatively uh, fast, meaning that it is more real time than any of the other uh, data that are kind of put together, for example, in US news rankings, right? Those things are kind of usually sometimes 12 months to 24 months old by the time US news can compile those things. But the data that we have here at Tipping Blocks is really quick. We can get an answer within a few months. We will start to see some shifts. And, and, and one of the shifts, for example, that I found somewhat surprising, not because when you think about it, it's one of those things. Some of the surprises sometimes are not surprises. They're actually things that uh, you kind of, once you think about it for a second, okay, yeah, that makes sense. So for the example I will give is the number of people, we still need an audit for deliverable for a client and the number of people who have turned to education uh, during the pandemic is actually in my opinion just greater than uh, than i could have imagined and, and so when we hear the headlines about uh, hired you know enrollment in the country just going down it it, it can be a mixed signal in, in or, or i would say it can be uh, misleading because what we realize is that you know some people in the workforce actually went back to school a lot in the end, probably the enrollment of those people, I would say of people who are already in the workforce increase while maybe enrollment of fresh uh, high school graduate may have actually gone down because people they took a break, they decided not to enroll in university until the pandemic kind of, you know, blown over, so to speak. So there's a lot of interesting thing when we start to look at this data of, um, I would say conception or preconceptions that maybe sometimes verified it or sometimes just pointing you to a new thing that, oh yeah, that makes complete sense. You know, people at trouble maybe finding a job or they were unhappy with their job. So they decided to go back to get a degree. And, and, and so they would have this available when the pandemic was over. Um, but one thing in general that I will mention that I find maybe more surprising and, 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 and maybe uh, that other people might find interesting is that work and careers, I think for the newer generations mean complete something completely different um, compared to 20 or 30 years ago. And I think that is a, a, a gigantic shift that we're kind of seeing happen right in front of our eyes. I think the pandemic might have been also a trigger or a catalyst to make things happen even faster, which is what we see in our data happen every time we, we, we look at the refresh. But this is something completely different. People are jumping 
more and more from career to career, making changes very early on, whereas, whereas in the past, uh, people were not doing this as much. They were kind of sticking in the same industry or same trade for a longer period of time. And here we're seeing a lot more dynamism happening uh, in the career flow, so to speak, where people are really just not not hesitating, taking chances. And I think the fact that um, additional technologies are so, um, so I would say, so more widespread to be able to get certifications online and all of this, I think is just kind of giving more power and empowerment to a lot of uh, people in the workforce to say, I can do this. I can change very quickly here and, and try something else. And the final thing I'll mention, which in my opinion, is the most surprising, even though I'm, I'm, I'm a tech guy by trade, an engineer by trade and data scientist, the one thing that is still um, really surprising to me is to see the number of careers that are kind of being, that are kind of eaten by tech. We keep talking about, you know, software is eating the world or AI is eating the world, but really I see technology is eating careers. Uh, people who before um, graduating from, I would say, soft skills, whether it's English or languages and other things like this are now being thrown into having very technologically driven jobs using very high-tech tools to do their work, to do things that before uh, there were no such careers. So there's a lot of, I would say, new careers and, uh, and more tech-driven careers in some fields where before there was, there was basically no technological component apart from just maybe writing some text in a word or in an email right, or on a web page. So it's really, really interesting to me how, to see how uh, this is actually shifting. This is a big surprise because I didn't think that it would happen that fast, that basically that every single career would be affected this deeply by technology. So Dr. Bonnie, one of the ways that you work with our data team is to generate rankings of institutions making the biggest impact based on a set of criteria. For instance, universities producing the most female software engineers. So can you talk about these rankings and why they matter? Thanks, Aaron. Yeah, great question. I think, you know, over my career in higher ed, there's been a lot of institutions and a lot of conversations that focus on rankings or comparisons, you know, things like U.S. News uh, or institutions comparing to their peers or Carnegie class or aspirant institutions is often part of the conversation as universities are, are trying to figure out, you know, what to do and how to uh, accelerate their growth and accelerate programs and ultimately accelerate the success of their graduates. This particular list uh, and, and many of the ones we produce provide a, a unique look into the experience of graduates after their time in college, uh, which really goes to the, the awesome and powerful data that Sebastian was just talking about. Stepping Blocks is really in a, a pretty unique position to be able to peer into the workforce and provide institutions with a really great understanding of where their graduates are headed. And so one of the things we've tried to do with our lists and, and this approach to rankings um, has been to look at perhaps data sources and, and uh, create lists that aren't accessible to universities in other ways. Um, you know, universities wouldn't necessarily be able to gather some of the data that we're looking at here via survey uh, or, you know, first destination or you know, a variety of those elements. And so it really is a unique opportunity for us to be able to leverage our data to help answer some questions, or in some cases, help identify questions that universities uh, perhaps aren't even thinking about uh, from a holistic perspective. Sebastian, can you share how our data and technology is used to help generate these rankings and ultimately report what really matters, which is institutional impact? 
Yes, thank you, Heron. The, the, the main thing I want to mention here that those rankings here actually are generated using our analytical engine uh, that, that we use internally. And the key thing is that this particular process is actually a way to look at segments of the hundred and million plus profiles that we have in our system, in our data, in our database that are actually active US workforce um, profiles. To give you an idea, as of January 1st, 2022, the US workforce, active workforce is about 161 million people. So depending how you qualify with active in the workforce or not, and based on the number of profiles that we have here that are just purely US-based, that means we have basically within a range of 60 to 75% of representation of the US workforce in our database, which is huge. Uh, most universities would not be able to get access to this kind of large amount of data. And data that's also actually up, made up to date uh, every quarter while right? we revise and refresh uh, the data continuously. So this is a huge benefit here to institution that can look at those rankings afterwards. And the way I like to describe it is that with such a large amount of data and, and also I would say a large amount of different ways you can look at this data. You can look at the profile of somebody over time. You can just look at which place did they graduate from, which certification did they acquire and when, and all kinds of different scenarios, we can generate many, many, I'll say multi-dimensional analysis of the same profile or of many, many profiles, depending on how we want to segment them. And the way I like to, to phrase it, I guess maybe to uh, give people a better idea of the picture is that we have this kind of, uh, stepping with this huge tapestry on the wall of, career and education journeys of millions of people. And so when we when those rankings are actually created and published, it is basically our teams uh, kind of taking a flashlight uh, and kind of like looking in the corner of a tapestry by looking, hey, let's look right here, what's going on here around this kind of cluster of people who maybe you know, uh, are a part of that population or subpopulation, whether it's female in tech or young executives or uh, all kind of the things that, that, that we publish. So uh, that's why I like to, to, to put it this way. And finally, um, one of the things that's critical to the way we actually, I would say process the data is that we don't only just get the raw data and, and people uh, take people's word for whatever they, they accomplished or what, where did they go to. We actually do a lot of curation of this data uh, using data science techniques, right? We use a lot of statistics and machine learning analytical uh, tools to basically augment and make this data even better. One of the, uh, I would say one of the two examples I will give is, for example, uh, the type of majors people like say they majored in. This is obviously uh, when people write it down, we, we see this often. I've worked with partners and in institutions that the way people phrase it is not often the major that was uh, actually offered by the school at the time. They kind of rephrase it a little bit differently. And also, the, the terms of particular majors, what I was called, you know, 20 years ago, today maybe have a different name in the catalog of a university. So there's a lot of intelligence and uh, analytics that takes place here to try to actually put everyone on the same footing, right, uh, in terms of that. So this is one way to do this. And the other way is that we actually also build, I would say, more complex model uh, using econometric data to actually estimate the salary of a lot of those people. So we can actually, at any point in their journey, try to have an idea uh, what was the reward and the level of compensation they were getting, which is a huge, a huge thing because uh, most uh, institutions or partners may not have access to this data directly. And even in terms of salary estimation, uh, there's actually you know not that many sources that 
allow people to have a clear picture of what is a composition of somebody at a particular time in their career. So I think that's the way we actually have this unique um, compound of a large amount of data, very many, many segments that can be explored, and this added layer, I would say, of intelligence on top of it that make, can make predictions on, uh, on different parameters. Sebastian, I love the metaphor of the tapestry, and it, it makes me curious, Dr. Barney, how are universities perceiving these rankings as our data is portrayed in them, and how specifically are universities using these rankings to, to promote themselves? Sure. Uh, you know, I think as I have conversations with campuses across the country, um, surprise is, is certainly not out of the realm of possibility. Um, often, you know, once I connect with, with someone, the, there's this sort of light bulb moment of like, oh my gosh, I had no idea that this was even possible uh, to, get, to get an understanding of what's happening um, in this way, which is really cool and, and a lot of fun to, you know, to be able to bring that knowledge uh, forward to universities. So I think there's a variety of applications for this data. Um, certainly, you know, some institutions love to be able to highlight, um, you know, the areas that they're doing well. Uh, it's led to some really great questions, though, uh, at other institutions. You know, if this is where we've ended up here on this list, um, perhaps are, are there some opportunities to improve, to grow, uh, to, you know, strengthen our outcomes in a variety of ways? Uh, and so, yeah, I've had some additional conversations with campuses, you know, about identifying the skills of their graduates, uh, which is certainly possible with our tools, um, or perhaps even exploring programmatic uh, opportunities. Um, where are some of their programs doing really well? Where might there be some programs they expected to appear on a list uh, that don't? So lots of really great questions, you know, around around that. I think you know we sort of entered the conversation with this idea of ranking, and um, while that often is is a driving factor for you know, the, the headline <laughs> institutions love, um, you know, sort of coming in on that top ranking, or, or that's really exciting to, you know, perhaps the communications team at an institution. There's a lot of really great work happening behind the scenes, not only to, you know, sort of make those rankings a reality, but to also work through whatever happens, um, you know, with that ranking to, to really review and, and strengthen it. So, uh, another piece I, I love talking about with campuses is triangulation. Uh, if there's a little bit of that surprise that I mentioned, you know, I, I say, hey, absolutely, this is a great opportunity to think about leveraging data like ours alongside your survey results or alongside qualitative information from your graduates to, uh, you know, really get a, a full picture um, about what's happening on your campus and beyond. Sebastian, what predictions can you make about what you expect to see in our data as the workforce continues to change? I think I'm I'm pretty convinced that we're going to see uh, the same trends I just described here, just probably getting uh, accelerating. Right, we're going to see more and more people um, taking uh, the educational technology tools, such as online certification and courses, to be able to augment to uh, their personal development and be able to jump to different career or fast forward maybe uh, some promotions. I think, uh, I think it's gonna be an interesting challenge, I think for higher ed actually over the next decade. And I think they, they know that, which is, I think that's why uh, a lot of them uh, start to reach out to us to try to get some answers, right? To say what's actually going on here because I think uh, the workforce, um, and the opportunities are changing and the role of higher education, I think, is also 
uh, is going to be, I think, challenge. Like you know, the and we can see this across a lot of universities as well in our data. The the number of universities who have just decided to reach out to create more online uh, certifications and portals and and, and uh, trainings basically uh, has increased as well. So I think we're going to keep seeing seeing this happening. But I think what in, in I would say the end game here is I think we're going to see education in general being a lot more um, precise and tailored to individuals. I think the the we haven't we haven't seen yet. I think what is going to be the big uh, pivotal moment change happen in education and technology. I think we're getting closer to this, but I think there is going to be some event, I think within the next decade that is going to make things shift even more rapidly. I don't know what exactly that will be, but I suspect it will be driven probably by AI where education will take a more personalized approach and therefore be much more efficient than the models that we've, we've been kind of following for a long time where it is more uh, of a crowd Kind of way to teach people right we're just displaying this information to everyone at the same time no matter what their knowledge is and i think we're likely to see this change where people will be actually be taught uh, in a more uh, optimized fashion so to so to speak so i think we're likely to see this change and probably will have impact of how people also um, choose their career because maybe they'll be able to actually learn things faster this way be more optimized be maybe less less costly and of course, uh, give people the ability to also explore maybe more than just one career uh, instead of just being kind of stuck in one path and have to finish this one path before they can take on the next one. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens there. Sebastian, as you know, Dr. Bonnie, as you know, we take our mission very seriously at Stepping Blocks. And at the core of our mission is student success and even more specifically student success in higher education. So Sebastian, can you talk about your role as chief technology officer and chief data officer and the part that you play to support our current and future partner institutions? Yes. So I would say in short, I just need to make sure that our technology and data serves our partners and customers best. That's all my primary goal. But in terms of um, what precisely that means is that I need to make sure that we continuously improve our data pipeline to enhance the quality of the data we distribute to a partner institution and that students get the chance to look at. Also need to improve the quality of the models that we use to enrich our data or filter out the noise. Because as many of you probably know, the data that we gather at Stepping Blocks is based on publicly available data on the internet. So whether somebody posted a resume some, some time on Indeed or the platform, whether they have listed on their social media profile, their current job, their education, and their work history, this is what we basically, uh, this is our raw data or raw oil, so to speak. And so a lot of our work here is to make sure that we can improve and filter and augment and uh, better uh, carve basically this refined oil that is the data that we use basically uh, for our analytical engine and backend services, which actually power our applications. And the main role is to make sure that answering the quality of the engineering and reliability and security of the applications that our partners are actually using to make decisions every day is, 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 is working, as well as working closely with our product group internally and the customers that are kind of our champions to continue innovating, always finding new ways basically to solve the challenges that are actually facing in higher education, as well as um, developing, I would say, uh, new applications of how we can leverage our data uh, to, uh, to help student success and to help higher education institutions make better decisions. And finally, 
I would say my main role is to actually stay in the data, um, figure out new research opportunities, new applications of our data, new partnerships, and make sure we can make this work technologically. And also evangelize, I think, our data to other groups that might benefit from it. Um, and I want to mention here in particular, the uh, NCSES, uh, NSF Science Foundation Award, we just got recently at Stepping Blocks um, regarding uh, a research project to analyze the societal impact of foreign-born scientists in the United States. So another completely different angle here, how our data can actually be used and leveraged to do some good.